2: especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't.
0: We're at an interesting crossroads in pop culture right now. Many of the trendsetters from the past couple of decades are entering what I assume to be a pretty odd stage of life. Imagine reaching fame in your 20s or 30s, not a care in the world, on the cover of magazines, on TV, all over, and then fast-forwarding about 25 years later, and there is a legit concern that when you sneeze hard enough, you may pee a little. Some on the tail end of their celebrity life cycle try their damnedest to keep up with the kids and get so much plastic surgery and Botox they look like they're wearing a permanent Halloween mask, bouncing around from shitty project to shitty project. Others try to recreate the magic that once made them famous, only to often sadly fade away or do something stupid and get cancelled. But then there are those that seem to have stand the test of time, the moguls the ones that are few and far between, but tend to stay relevant and up to date with changing times. We've covered a number of these kinds of people on our show before, and we'll add another to the list today as we dive into the story of a guy that's changed his name more times than a disgruntled, job-hopping stripper. Sean Puff Daddy Puffy P. Diddy Diddy Combs. Combs emerged on the scene as the guy I knew as Biggie's sidekick, and always popping up on other rappers' songs with a patented, yeah. He found success in things outside of music, and it wasn't like your cousin selling essential oils on the side. He found true financial booms in a number of different ventures. But on his way to billionaire status, there's been a number of times that Puffy diddied his way into the news for some not so glamorous things. Remember, the guy that is now giving away millions of dollars and acting as a mentor to many was once thought of to be associated with a very famous murder. So, throw on that tracksuit that's a little snug and your favorite furry bucket hat as we dive into this shiny, delicious episode of Asshole Court. Right, we want to give a shout out to a couple folks that gave the recommendation for Puff Daddy. First, we have Miss Shayna T from Twitter and also Stacy, known on Instagram as The Stacy Mo Show. So, thank you guys both for the recommendation. And as always, uh, give us a shout and let us know. And uh, if you want to see a name added to the list, Shayna and Stacy, good looking out. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. So, before we dive into the show, we're going to get into our newest segment from the inbox. Nice. Alright, this week we're gonna field a question from Joey on Instagram. Joey wrote, Guys, love the podcast and I've listened to all your shows. Last week at work, I got my days mixed up and wore a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, and flip flops and celebrated Hawaiian Day one day too early. I showed up and was mortified. My boss was dying laughing, so no harm, no foul. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you this week? Love the show, Joey. So um okay. Joey, I actually have something that happened this week, not to me. But to my wife, that had me in uh, fucking tears when she told me about it. So, and this is going to be new for uh, Mikey and Buddy as well, because I haven't told them what happened. All right. Yeah, no. but uh, We're in the dark over here. Yeah, this was hilarious. So my wife went to trivia at a brewery with some friends this week after work, and one of the questions that came up was to guess the top ten most searched sexual positions on Pornhub.
2: Oh, my God. Okay. What kind of fucking trivia it, it is this? It was at
0: a brewery, but it's like top ten list, and one of the questions was like, make your top ten... Yeah, yeah that right so it's obviously amazon style yeah. <laughs> obviously so, so the group of about seven or eight people at the table they're all like trying to name some positions and after a couple people name like obvious stuff yeah it gets kind of quiet and my wife blurts out dirty sanchez Oh! and the whole table just kind of sat in silence a couple people were like yeah i, I don't know I, I don't know if that's on there and uh, I don't think she got the effect she was looking for. <laughs> no. no. I give her credit, though, because obviously that was a fucking good joke. dude. Uh, so she got home. How did like, she anyway, sell it, though? That's the problem. Well, did she say it like she was being serious? Uh, no, like okay. she said it kind of serious, but was waiting for a reaction. Oh, yeah, and nobody and it didn't, didn't hit get one. Yeah. 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 So long story short, they couldn't come up with another 10 positions, so they put it on their list, and it didn't make the list. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, my wife came home pissed and was like, Hey, asshole, like you and uh, our son are just like infiltrating my brain with all kinds of like dumb male (laughs) shit like Dirty Sanchez. And you got me blurting it out at trivia night in front of my friends. Yeah. And they're like, actually, no,
1: it's missionary.
2: But uh, (laughs) close, though. There actually was one that was great. It was on the dating show. This is back in the 70s. And it was hilarious because they were like, "What is the weirdest place that you've ever had had sex?" sex yeah, and the it's again, this is probably '77, <laughs> and it's right. the newlyweds, and the, the the newlywed wife goes in the butt, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody dropped. They were like, "No, no, no! I think I think we're talking about an actual location," yeah. and everybody was oh, like, "No, Yo,
0: you can oh, yeah, still you, fucking that, YouTube that, clip. Yeah, yeah, get that O ring blown out, <laughs> won't <Whoa>, it?" <did>, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's awesome! All right, let's get some pre-show scores for Sean Combs. Who wants to go first? Mikey. Go, yeah. All right, Mikey, you start us off. Okay, uh, I love Biggie. I don't like Puffy.
2: Yeah. P he come! I never yeah. have. He's always irritated me. Always very annoying. I don't like when people wear sunglasses all the time indoors, especially. Yes, it's very strange. Now with Biggie, I understood it because he had that lazy eye. You know what I'm saying? Like oh. when he, yeah, when he took his glasses off, he's like, no, it's okay, buddy. You can put those put, 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 put those on. right
0: back on. Him <laughs> Stevie Wonder have a
1: pass, and that's Ray Charles, exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah. exactly. But, but Whitaker, if he needs one, yeah, yeah. But P Diddy always struck me as this person that takes himself entirely too seriously. Just an obnoxious figure. I honestly don't know much about his background because I don't like him that much, so I didn't really, like, have any interest in learning about him ever.
0: Yeah, um,
2: Yeah, and also, he's a producer, but he constantly was trying to, he was upstaging his own talent. Every time. Constantly. Yep. So it was yeah. very shitty, very annoying. So, uh, all that being said, I don't know. I, I think that there's maybe some hints of criminal elements that he dealt with but in the music industry in the 90s that's pretty common especially in the hip-hop that was par for the course yeah but um i'm gonna start him off at a 5.75
0: because i don't like him all right (laughs) 5.75 with a a hint of spite and like (laughs) score buddy what do you got for diddy
1: pre-show all right so pre-show for diddy when I learned that we were going to do the show, I started going back and listening to Diddy's music, and um, yeah. and uh, some of it's good, but like some of the best songs that I like, it's always he's on with somebody else. It's never his own tracks yeah. that are the best. Yep, I hate um, his dancing too, so obnoxious. Yeah, he's always just throwing his shoulder up. Yeah, well, it's, you it's, know, it's and, always the
2: same one. Like every video is just the same, same dance.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I went back and listened to the original version of I Don't Want to Know. That was by Mario and Diddy was on that. Oh, yeah, He had the yeah. 21 Savage part where he yeah. came in at the end. Yeah, And uh, that's banging, man. He comes in and he crushes it. But I never really heard him crushing it on his own tunes. It was always like he crushed it on "Um Mo Money, Mo Problems yeah. with Biggie. Well, he'd get like one verse. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. would give
0: him like time to shine for just a second. Yeah. And, then- and he wasn't writing his own shit. Yeah. Right. There's no way he was. Oh, did he
2: was writing it for him, I guarantee you, especially the ones that were really good. Like when he was with that one with the locks and Lil' Kim, that was uh well, was awesome. And uh I, I, I did he didn't write his own his own verse, I don't think.
1: Damn it. Damn it. Uh so yeah, so I don't really know too much about him. I didn't pay much attention to him back in the day. I just remember that he was pretty much the opposite of Suge Knight at Bad Boy. He was you know, the CEO over there, but he just didn't do things like Suge did. And I'm sure we're going to get into that here in the show. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that I really know about him is I was watching Ashton Kutcher on Hot Ones, and he was talking about how him and Diddy became friends back in the 90s. And one time Ashton was going for a run, and Diddy was like, yeah, I'll come with you. And they start running in New York, and paparazzi comes out. Well, they get about halfway through, and Diddy starts gassing, and he's like, yo, Ashton. You got to like kind of like slow down a little bit. Like, you can't be punking me here with all the paparazzi around, was like getting pissed off. And so Ashton slowed down. And so, you know, Ashton was like, and then got back and, you know, like Diddy was pissed. But so he took that and used that as fuel. Like, he started doing the New York Marathon. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Uh, You know,
2: all about himself, too. I know. uh, But that's what I'm,
1: so that's what I'm wondering. Is he just like this, like, 100%. Egotistical, arrogant motherfucker that always just has to best everybody else, and he has enough money to where, if like he wants to set his scopes right. onto something, he can invest all the money into it, all the time, all the resources, and go run the New York Marathon. Yeah. Right? And, you right.
2: know, he did like I said that's he. It's always self promotion. Yeah, it wasn't it just every biggie video. There he is in the background dancing like a fucking asshole. Yep.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm interested to find out here. Is he you know like a good guy that just you know wants a little bit more of the limelight? Is he totally an egotistical asshole? and uh, I'm sure we'll bring that to light here today. So pre-show, I'm going to, you know, looking at people that we've had in the past, i got to put them a tick under DMX on the pre-show side of it. Um, So I'm going to put them right in between Dr. Oz and DMX, and we've got a 5.28.
0: Interesting, 5.28 for Buddy. Randall, bring us home. All right, so I kind of echo you guys. I wasn't a huge Diddy fan. Right. You know, if I had to pick between, like, but again it's like oh if I had to pick between Bad Boy and uh Death Row in 1995 when it was like I'll be I was like 14 years old yeah. so <laughs> like I don't know asking me if that really fucking mattered yeah Death Row know. though Oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah all Although Biggie was great but I don't know on, hear- on our way to the studio tonight Mike and you know, I were listening to some Death Row on that's the way right. here so uh, And that's a, like I preferred like Mace and stuff
1: like that instead of Diddy every everybody else on the label I preferred Biggie
0: was the star Biggie
2: was great and then Shine, and we'll get into that, I'm yeah. sure. But, yeah, I was definitely a way more Death Row Records, even though Suge Knight is a dangerous man and I oh wouldn't yeah. want to hang out with him. No <laughs> doubt, no
0: doubt. But, like, I, I consider it like Puff Daddy Part 2. Once he got through what seemed to be his musical shit, he still does music, but got into more of the business side of things, right? Kind of like how Master P has done yeah, later in I'll, life. Elevated times probably five i mean yeah. diddy's everywhere he just yeah. has his hand in so much different stuff yeah and he's one of those guys where it seems like he's got his hand literally in everything it's mm-hmm. like does he have a uh sports drink yeah is yeah. he involved in like owning a sports team yeah so he's he got like an like, alcohol of course yeah rock yeah, yeah exactly. I remember this guy I used to work with was like i got that sweet
2: ass circo man <laughs> I, like, cool. I don't think that's it he's like it's that's... p diddy shit it's circo
0: <laughs> i was like okay all nice. right yeah yeah Interesting. So, uh, you know, pre-show, kind of looking at it, um, I don't know too much about him being an asshole. I know about some legal shit, obviously, him getting into trouble. But, like, pure asshole standpoint, I'm right there kind of with you guys. I had a pre-show at a 5.25.
1: Okay. All right. With a 5.75 from Mikey, a 5.28 from Buddy, and a 5.25 from Randy... Sean P. Diddy Combs scores a five point four three pre show on
0: the asshole score. All right. Five point four three puts him directly in line with Yeah, Fred Durst, y'all. Yeah. yeah. From Limp Biscuit Fame, Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> uh right behind. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Chainsaw. So uh interesting, Chainsaw. interesting uh, pre show score. I think that it's funny there's two musicians that uh, Who would you rather hang out with? Fred. hmm
2: Fred Durst, Uh, probably. Fred. I'd say Fred Durst, too. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
0: Hell yeah. You guys ready to uh, wrap this up? Yeah. 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 Sean John Combs. Yes, that's his real name. Was born in the Harlem neighborhood of New York City on November 4th, 1969 as one of two children to mother Janice and father Melvin. And I'm just going to put it out there right now. Throughout this entire show, I'm going to be using all the different names that Sean Combs went by. That's fair. Yep, Diddy, Puffy, all of them. Just to know it's the same guy. Sean John, who's the clothing brand. That's right, yep. That was his clothing That's brand? Correct, yep. Yeah. And, but okay. he spelled, his middle name is John, like J-O-H-N, mm-hmm. and Sean John was J-E-A-N. J-E-A-N. Yeah, he right. tried to church it up, like yeah. Joe Dirt. So, That's yeah. exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. It tells me everything I need to know about this guy. Yep. <laughs> anyway, when Diddy's mom was young and hot, she did some work as a model, and Diddy's daddy, Melvin, was a U.S. Air Force vet. Once he got out of the military, Melvin had a hard time assimilating into regular life and needed to find a way to feed his young family. Described by Diddy as a drug dealer and hustler, Melvin was only around for a couple years of young Puffy's life. As Melvin began to get in the drug game, he became an associate of notorious New York City drug lords Frank Lucas and Nicky Barnes. Damn. Hold on. Are we talking about the same Frank Lucas from
2: and American Barnes, Gangster? Yeah.
0: That's them. Wow. Yeah. And
2: that was even a line in the Sean song, or I'm sorry, the Shine song, where he said, don't hate me, hate Nicky Barnes for hitting my moms, because he was saying basically Nicky Barnes was his dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Melvin, at age 33, was fatally gunned down in 1972 after a failed drug deal due to being mistaken for a police informant. Damn. Yep. Did not know this. Yeah. Okay. Little Diddy was just three years old when his dad died. Ouch. Both Frank Lucas and rival Nikki Barnes were close to Combs. I found an interview where both of the infamous drug lords of the 80s, in basis of like 40% of all New York drug-related movies, Yeah. Uh, where they talked briefly about Sean John's dad, and how they remembered Young Combs. Okay, that's they remembered his dad for sure. Because
2: I thought it was gonna be like he was some low level street urchin, and then he got killed, and then they try to turn it into this whole thing. But apparently, they did know him. Yeah, no, okay. for sure. Yeah,
1: right. wow, yeah. And I don't think they mentioned that in American Gangster. They should at have. all, but yeah, sounds like they should have. And why didn't they have Puff Daddy play him? Yeah, or like instead of having uh, Ti come in, they could have had, had Diddy. Diddy. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Instead, he did Raising in the Sun on Broadway. True story. Yeah, he did.
0: Is that raisin like the fruit or raising like R-A-I-S-I-N-G?
2: Uh, raisin like the fruit, the dried fruit, the nasty one. Raisin in hate. the sun is what it's called? Raisin in the sun is what it was called. Yeah, it's like a famous
0: play. I thought it was actually kind of funny, or I thought I was being funny when I said that. but no, yeah, Yeah, I
1: was expecting huh. like a California raisins. Yeah,
0: that's like. exactly right. That's cal- It is California yeah. was a California raisin.
2: <laughs> he did it with a California raisin. He did the Christmas special <laughs> where he sang Motown. And
0: uh, that's awesome. Obviously, losing your father at such a young age is tough, but Diddy painted a bit of a silver lining as to what he did learn from his dad. Being that my father was killed when I was three years old, I don't have a lot of memories of him. They say you can't miss something you never had, but that's only a little right. There's definitely been times as I've gotten older that I've missed my father, his presence, not being there. There's things that you would have asked your father. There's also things that you would have celebrated with him and made him proud. Referring to Melvin as a hustler, the successful entrepreneur and businessman cites his father's shortcomings as the inspiration to really make something of his own life. He said, my father was a hustler. He was a drug dealer and a hustler. So I learned early in life that there were two ways out of that dead end jail and it made me work even harder. Sometimes you can't just answer the why behind things, but I definitely think the route that I went on staying out of the streets and hitting my books and trying to be somebody. I think he actually played a role in that. I have a hustler's mentality, his hustler's spirit, his drive his determination and his swag well I mean here
1: you have it I mean once again you have another celebrity that we're covering that didn't have a father growing up correct yep but it looks like at least for him he took what his dad was doing kind of just was like all right, I'm not gonna fuck with drugs or anything like that but I'm gonna take that hustler mentality and kind of improve on it. So, yeah. I mean, like, good for him. Yeah. Well, it's
2: like, well, you ever see a, a kid whose parents are like alcoholics and they just are like teetotalers because they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, touching like that. that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and it's the opposite for me. My parents just didn't drink and I was like, I'm getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah, my
1: mom wasn't a big drinker no. or anything, so. Uh,
2: Let me go ahead and do the opposite. Yeah. See how this
0: works out. So far, eh, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing all right. After her husband's death, Janice immediately moved the family to a suburb close to the Bronx. Young Sean studied at a Catholic boys' school, and this is where he earned the name Puffy, because he'd always puff out his chest when he became angry Lame. on the playground.
2: Lame as fuck. That, that would be his that signature
0: was- move. It's kind of bow his chest up. Puffy? Puffy. God,
2: that's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, it's like a blowfish.
2: Well, you know, it's also the kid, remember this back in the day, middle school, yeah. the dude that would, they're about to fight, and they're just bumping chests, Yeah, you're like, you're just waiting to
0: get your fucking jaw broken, you want like, somebody to break this up, obviously. Yeah, yeah,
2: obviously, no, oh,
0: don't oh, bump yeah. chests, you see me, I was all something. over them,
2: do something, yeah, I'll do something, he said, I'll open, it. then somebody pushes from behind, and then the fight actually starts, yeah. they get shoved into him, yeah, yeah. oh, I fucking saw that, and Everyone's like, ooh, yeah, he pushed me into lockers, that was cheap,
0: that was That's cheap, right. yeah. As he moved into his high school years, he attended Mount St. Michelle Academy and became a pretty decent athlete. In 1986, as a senior at Mount St. Michelle, one of Diddy's boys and teammates was number seven Gambino gangster, Andrew Campos. Wow. Yeah.
1: Who's Andrew Campos?
0: Uh, One of his teammates in high school, but uh, he was a Gambino crime family gangster. Oh, wow. Yeah. They played on a team with commitment and attitude that surprised the pundits and won a division title for the prep school. Campos was the team's quarterback, and Combs was a defensive back. While we all know where P. Diddy wound up, Campos was seemingly successful, but also had legal problems. Campos, whose surname suggests Greek or Hispanic heritage, the Gambinos checked and determined his lineage was Italian before they inducted him, made his money primarily in the telecommunications industry. He was part of the largest consumer fraud in American history, one that cost unwary consumers a cool $750 million dollars, from related schemes involving phone sex and internet porn
2: well he was actually the one that owned the hulk hogan 900 number
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah brother. Yeah. Yeah. go back and check out our fireside chat right. from 900 numbers oh three years ago oh maybe? man that was a good one early show that was man, a that fun was yeah it was a fun show through it all combs and campos remained close friends through the mid-2000s when campos was sent to prison combs took his talents to washington dc where he enrolled at howard university Apparently, Puffy knew how to throw a serious rager while in college. Some of his parties attracted up to a 1,000 participants. After his sophomore year, Puffy decided that unlimited sex with hot age college co-eds wasn't quite doing it for him. He wanted to really pursue his true passion, music. I remember hearing
1: about like him throwing a lot of these like legendary parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And I remember uh, hearing Jamie Foxx talking about how back in the like early 90s and stuff, he was throwing parties out in L.A., and went to one of Diddy's parties in New York, and he was like, "Man, this is awesome!" But you know, I could throw like this same party back in L.A. for like eight hundred bucks. And Diddy's like, "Man, fuck you! No, you can't." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I can." He's like, "All right, I'm gonna hit you up next time I'm out there." So Diddy comes out to L.A., hits up Jamie Fox. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start getting on the horn." So he starts calling everybody, and like he was like, "Yeah, man, I went up to like." Kroger just got a bunch of like, you know, just snack food and stuff. Was like $200 invested. Got some alcohol. I'm about like $600 invested. And uh, call up all my friends. So like, I've got like all these different celebrities and Diddy's like, what the fuck, man? You got all these people over here? Yeah. And like Kanye's over in the like, over on the side, like, you know, like just doing his Kanye thing, like back in... What, what? is this? Yeah. That, and so like, yeah. Like, so uh, this is uh, Jamie Foxx back in the day. He was like throwing... <laughs> Diddy was mad at him because like Diddy was throwing like fifty thousand dollar parties right and here. Here's Jamie Foxx throwing like an awesome party for eight hundred bucks out in LA.
2: So back in the day I, when I would bartend events just for extra money on the sides, people would actually do this. They would put together a huge party and they would sell tickets to the party or yeah. whatever. And so then they would hire like bartenders who so we were there. So there's a, a hotel in Atlanta, it's called Twelve or whatever. They yeah, rented sure, out this sure. hotel and they rented out like the ballroom of it or whatever. And I saw about seven people show up to this motherfucker. Oh, no. We were all mortified for whoever had fucking done this. Because I was like, you guys spent a fucking ton of money.
1: Fifty thousand dollars to rent the room. It was
2: uh, least, so, you know, dead. like we were all like, we ain't making shit tonight. But my god, like, I still feel okay about myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I was like, this is their first <laughs>
0: and last adventure. I, I'm gonna leave out of here and be like, yeah, eh, fuck it, whatever. Party truck up a little L, but yeah, not a fifteen Gs or twenty five. Oh Gs yeah, or... that shit wasn't
2: cheap, man. Oh, yeah. There was uh, they had six bar stations, and I swear to God, there was six people in shit. Hey, everybody's got their own personal bartender. Pretty man much, yeah, man to man coverage. They, right. they didn't yeah. hang out for long though. They'd show up and then they would like, yeah, filter out right, right, right away. Yeah, so. walk in. Oh, this is cool. Uh, yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like a fucking middle school
0: dance where none of the kids will dance together. Yep. You know, yeah, just, just like that. In 1990, Diddy entered Uptown Records founder Andre Harrell's office. He received an internship at Uptown and quickly rose through the ranks. In 91, Combs promoted an AIDS fundraiser with performances by himself and Heavy D, as well as a charity basketball game that was held at the City College of New York Gymnasium. What year was this? This was 1991. Okay. Yep. Him
2: and Heavy D. Okay. Heavy D. Yeah.
0: Yep. What started out as a fundraiser for a good cause turned to tragedy. The City College Stampede was a crowd crush event that occurred on December 28th, 91 in the City College of New York Gym. Outside of the event, crowds were able to break at least one glass door leading in the gymnasium lobby. The crowd then rushed the lobby and down a short staircase that led to the gym. However, the doors at the bottom of the stairs opened inward, not outward to the gymnasium, Oh shit! and nine people were crushed to death at the bottom of the staircase, while 29 others were injured. No criminal charges were followed following the incident, although multiple wrongful death and personal injury lawsuits were filed.
2: All right, so Diddy's got nine bodies on him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm joking, man. Obviously but seriously, the one that, like, because the, this or? the doors opened inward, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. imagine everybody bum rushing through, Those- and they imagine they hit the doors and they can't get through, but then everybody by just piles in behind you.
2: Those crowd crush situations are, are absolutely
0: horrifying, and they're
2: talking about like I've seen a couple of things they're talking about like if you end up in a situation where it gets like that intense and you can feel yourself just being carried away, they're like it flows like a river. Oh yeah. At that point. There's you know, no stopping yeah. at that point. And there was only one time I remember where I felt that same way and we were actually at a baseball game and it started to rain really hard and everybody had to like get out. And I remember like my dad having to like pick me up and I remember us being like carried by the crowd and it was terrifying. But those crowd crush situations like the stuff that happened. In that situation, or like in some sporting events, there was the one that was in in Saudi Arabia during yeah the, the soccer Hajj. the
0: soccer games get yeah. terrible man yeah, oh they, yeah uh,
2: yeah concerts oh, it was uh, what well, the Travis uh, Scott concert where those
1: there was the crowd yeah. crush well there was, there was crushing that actually yeah. it, like happened there yeah
2: and they pff, that
0: asshole
1: they will do a show on him because he wouldn't stop the fucking music he just kept going well he yep. thought initially he didn't know anyway but yeah. You know, uh, back in the 90s, I was almost in one of those situations, Uh, you know, with my dad being in the music business, we went to a lot of concerts and we went to a Beastie Boys concert and all of a sudden, like there was one rush of people that rushed the floor at the Omni. Yeah. And then a second lined up and then they rushed. And then like I looked over at my dad, he was like, y'all go ahead and go have fun. Nice. (laughs) Nice. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, way to go, dad. And uh, we got up in line, and we were about to, you know, like we were in that third wave. And the Beastie Boys actually stopped the show, and they're like, "Hey, there's people rushing the floor; people are getting hurt. Y'all need to stop it." And so, like, we all just walked back to our seats at that point. Yeah. But uh, sorry, Mike D. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But hey, they actually stopped the show and did it. Yeah. You know, like well, if you them. saw,
2: if you see the the Travis Scott one, he knew. At that point, what was happening, and still was like, it's a ranger! And that's why so many people were so mad, because yeah. they were like, dude, oh, they're, they're literally like dragging bodies out. And anyways, I mean, we'll get into that in another
1: show. But that's, anyways, that's very... I mean, that was a tough situation, and it's like, I'm not trying to justify what he did in a sense, but I mean, that was one of the first shows back since COVID, too, and so there was a lot of... Just yeah. like, uh, you it's know. It's a COVID body getting drunk out <laughs> of <over> here.
0: <laughs> She's real
1: sick. Get her Swab that nose. No, no, no. But no, but just I mean. like shit was a little bit different. Yeah,
2: just, I think you know. should watch those videos. No, like, it was. No, if, like, I was yeah. if I was on stage and I saw it happening, I would be like, stop, stop. Right. This has yeah. to stop. Yeah.
0: Diddy often credits Harold with giving him the tools to find success in music and life. Even saying Harold was like a father figure to him. Andre Harrell influenced me the most, and I don't know if that will ever change, Diddy said in an interview with Hip Hop Hollywood. And this is the owner of Uptown? Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. In 1993, Harrell let Diddy go from Uptown Records. Harrell said one of the reasons he fired Diddy was because MCA Records, the label distributor, did not want to release Notorious B.I.G.'s debut album because of its raw and rough subject matter and street life connotations. Ready to die. Yeah, it's that's It's a it. classic. Well, Bangor. I mean, this is on the heels of what,
1: N.W.A.'s? Uh, it was eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. You know, so and
0: essentially, Puffy had been working in the background. He had developed a couple other people. He was kind of an up and comer. He was getting people ready to go, and Biggie was getting ready to drop his album. Mm-hmm. And Uptown wasn't going to let it go. Yeah. They were like, "We can't, we can't put this out under us because this is this is a little too aggressive for us." Well, this is Biggie is his Eminem. For yeah. like Dre at the time, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, and he essentially like, look, I'm gonna fire you, but you need to go start your own label with yeah. all these other guys and release his album, and uh, and there you have it.
2: I'd also like to come back to the person that was just like, nope, we're not, we're not green light that. It's red light, and then yeah, be like, well, hey, who hey, is hey that remember guy? that one time? Remember that one time? The what's his name? You probably heard of him. You know, um, hip hop legend Biggie Smalls. Remember he said no. Well, yeah, to his debut album.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And Good you call. let it go. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: He said, I, I mean, thought it was a children's album. There was a tiny baby on the cover with a, with an afro and a pick in it, and I thought it was going to be a children's album. And then it terrified me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the equivalent of Blockbuster laughing at Netflix. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, Harold said, I didn't want to sit there and be the one confining Puff because the corporation was telling me to do that. I'm not built that way. Harold said this in an interview with the Wall Street Journal in 2014. I told Puff, he needs to go and create his own opportunity. You're red hot right now. I'm really letting you go so you can go get super fucking rich. But just before Diddy was set to take off as a producer, his biggest up and comer, Notorious B.I.G., asked Tupac Shakur, of all people, to manage him. That's right. If you remember in our Tupac episode, he and Biggie were friends before all the beef. Shakur declined and told him to stay with Puffy and that he would be the one to make him a star. The following years, when Shakur was shot the first time at Quad Studios, he blamed Biggie and his crew for trying to set him up. That's right. And again, go back and listen to our Tupac Shakur episode of AHC Podcast. We dove into that in pretty good depth. Yeah, pretty thoroughly. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. 1993, after being fired from Uptown, Combs established his new label, Bad Boy Entertainment, as a joint venture with Arista Records. On the new label, both Biggie and Craig Mack quickly released hit singles followed by successful albums, particularly Biggie's Ready to Die. He did Craig Mack, too? Yep.
2: Okay. All yeah. right.
0: I don't even remember Craig Mack. All you
2: need to know is Return of the Mac. Uh, Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. Of the Mac. Yep. Yeah. Once again, and now it's like a Cheetos commercial?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's great because I saw it, I was like, Is that CeeLo? That's no. how those guys stay kind of wealthy. <laughs> fuck it. I mean, yeah. like that. I mean, you know? Give me an j- opportunity to fucking shill yeah. for Cheetos. I'll do it right now. Did he sign more acts to Bad Boy, including Carl Thomas, Faith Evans, and one twelve to name a few? The Hitman, his in house production team, worked with Jodeci, Mary J. Blige, Usher, Lil Kim, TLC, Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, SWV, Aretha Franklin, and others.
2: Yeah, that was like the hip hop version of like the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, the, oh, wow. The, the so lot, I mean, lots of
0: musicians back in the '70s that just did shit for everybody.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah,
0: lots of big names that, and you know, they all got that patented. Yeah, on yeah. that album. Yeah, that's a wild fucking staff he had, though. What a stable. Oh yeah. no doubt. Yeah, I mean, some of those names, obviously, I, you know. They're not names that are like, oh, staples in my rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely listened to some Usher back in the day. But you know oh, who 100%. they are? Yeah. yeah for whereas sure. like
2: Death Row is like, okay, you had huge names like Snoop and Dre and Tupac, but then it was like corrupt, and then like you know who? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the well, yeah, I mean the, I know you no know, corrupt or stuff like that, but yeah, like uh, like the Outlaws. But I get yeah, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, but it, wow, it's that's a very seriously stacked stable he's
3: got right there.
1: It almost seemed in a sense like he was paying for a lot of this stuff. You know, like he knew that there was going to be a ROI on it. Right, so it's yeah. like oh, fuck. Let's bring Aretha Franklin on. Like, yeah. well, I don't think she know. was with
2: Bad Boy. No, but that'd be tight, though. <laughs> she had no, like yeah, a, the she, in-house, the in-house Production
1: team. The worked, production worked with her. Worked with that's her. What, yeah. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, he pays 100,000, 200,000 to have her come and sample on a track or something like yeah. that. He knows the ROI for being able to say Aretha Franklin's on this track is going to bring in a lot of like hits. Oh yeah, sure. You know,
0: or plays on the track back in the day. Sure. So Mace in the Locks joined Bad Boy just as a widely publicized rivalry with the west coast death row records was beginning to take shape puffy and biggie were criticized and parodied by tupac and suge knight in songs and interviews during the mid 90s with definite fuel to the fire being added by knight at the 1995 source awards suge was on stage accepting an award when he chose to take a time to dig in straight at puffy he told the crowd look if you're an artist and you want to stay a star you don't want to worry about some producer all in your video, all on the record dancing around. They come to death row. It was a shot directly at Puff Daddy, who had become known for cameos in pretty much all the videos of the songs he produced. It would throw in a bunch of yes, yeah, in a ton of songs. Yeah, he was almost like the like the Where's Waldo
1: of rap of videos. that whole thing he except for you know I mean.
0: don't have to
2: search hard for him because <laughs> nah. he was usually right up front right and it's funny because like the locks i love the locks like dude the locks are hard as fuck and it's like biggie and the locks were really fucking hard shit but like he definitely had a lot of fucking like just radio play like some soft ass vanilla shit like faith evans or whatever it was oh for sure but that one statement really is what started the east west Beef for
0: real, yeah. Dude. The sugar
1: You know, uh, y'all have been saying Faith Evans, but I've been thinking Faith Hill in my head this whole time. Oh, that would be <laughs> I was like, Faith, <laughs> Evan, uh, Faith Evans was Biggie's boo. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, yeah, but I yeah. just imagine Biggie fucking Faith Hill, and I'm done.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, Tim McGraw's like <laughs> sad in the corner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> BBC. <laughs>
1: We've been asked by our fans. Guys, we want more. And just like a genie in a bottle, your wish is our command. Our Patreon page is now live. Find us on Patreon at AHC Podcast to get access to our all-new Conspiracy Court episodes, get a shout-out on one of our Asshole Court episodes, voting power on future episodes, stickers, swag, and a whole lot more. Go to Patreon.com and search for AHC Podcast to get your fix today.
0: And now... Back to your regularly scheduled shenanigans. In 1997, under the name Puff Daddy, Combs recorded his first commercial work as a rapper. His debut single, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down, spent 28 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, peaking at number one. His debut album, No Way Out, was released on July 22nd of 1997 through Bad Boy, So anytime you have a number one song, it's a big deal. And I don't mean to diminish this feat in any way, but I did check the Billboard Top 100 at the time that Puff Daddy was on top. And I'll be honest, the competition doesn't seem to be that stiff. Yeah. You got some examples, Randy? I do. The number two song was Wannabe by the Spice Girls. That's a pretty That's a huge hit song. That's not a good song. song. But it wasn't huge, it hit. Was yeah, big, yeah. and I think it was just it had been there forever. If it you was, wanna be my fucker, that's the right you one. You gotta get with, with my friends. friends. I was like, that's easy. <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: I'll get with your friends too. Are you okay with that? All, where's that's all of the songs yeah? Of your all room. of the above. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. All of the above is where I'm at with that. Yeah. The number three song was Jules' "Foolish Gang." Uh, don't be hating on Jules. I think that was foolish. Was it foolish? foolish Gang. Gang. Game. Gang. Foolish I gang. did the research and it's Foolish Gang. Okay, and all right. I, and I've okay. never heard of that one.
2: Foolish Games was not her song though. That was the other one by the other guy that Eric B. When I played guitar, would always be like, "Can you please play the song?" And I couldn't do a very good job of it, and he was
1: always disappointed. <laughs>
0: not Wicked Game. That's Wicked Games. Yes. Chris Isaac. That's no, Chris Isaac. And, and you're
1: saying games, right? Like G A N G. They're saying
0: gang. G A N G. No,
1: Jule is Foolish Games. G-A-M-E-S. I'm going to redo this. No, no, no. That's
2: staying in. We're leaving that one in. Yeah, Foolish gang. Come on. That is fantastic. That is sweet as shit.
1: the foolish gang. Well, listen. The
2: the thing is, you have to remember that Jewel had just signed with Death Row. I believe I might have fat-fingered this (laughs) on the fucking keyboard, asshole. She had just signed with Death Row
0: Records, and that was- Shut the fuck up.
1: (laughs) She was like, you know what? I don't want P. Diddy in my videos. Anyway,
0: I never heard a fucking <laughs> Foolish Gang or Foolish Game, so <laughs> drop it and fuck you guys. The number four song was Unbreak Me by Tony Braxton.
2: Unbreak my legs, say you'll
0: fuck me again forever. That was actually a pretty damn good song too, Oh man. my God, are you serious? Anyway, rounding off the top five with Drew Hill's In My Bed. Again, not quite an unforgettable string of hits, but I can't diss the number one song because I definitely don't have one, but just kind of looking at the, I don't know, I guess apparently you guys think the competition was a lot more stiff than <laughs> you know, I did. I
2: should say that I don't like really any of those songs. You love songs. all
0: of those songs. I like apparently. Drew Hill.
2: I did like Drew Hill, but the other ones I didn't like, but they were, those are big
1: ass hits. Like, I yeah, still remember those songs. Be is like horrible, but yeah, it was a big song. It was a big yeah, song. Like, yeah. I don't know. Anything the Spice Girls did was big. Yeah.
2: Like I said, if you want to be my lover, you got to get my friends. (laughs) It's easy money.
0: (laughs) I'm all in. (laughs) Puffy's No Way Out album, originally titled Hell Up in Harlem, underwent several changes after Notorious B.I.G. was killed on March 9th, 1997. Several of the label's artists made guest appearances on the album. No Way Out was a significant success, particularly in the US, where it reached number one on the Billboard two hundred, its first week of the release, selling five hundred and sixty one thousand copies. And again, it's kind of a it's a weird thing now because we go back and look at number of albums sold. Oh yeah. Nowadays mm-hmm. that doesn't really Oh, it's crazy. Like really the biggest matter.
2: ones are like it sold twenty thousand this week and they're like, damn. Like yeah. full albums, but it's all it's all about streaming tracks. Yeah. But back in the day, like yeah, like I remember, I think it was like Lauren Hill's.
0: I think it sold a million the first week or something like that. Like it went well. The, you look at some of these like really popular songs; they have billions of downloads. That's and true. It's like, that's where you're making your money. Yeah, yeah well, exactly because
2: you know? the the whole structures changed. Back then, you had to buy the whole yeah. fucking CD, so that's all the num- that's the only
0: number that counted. Yeah, the album produced five singles. "I'll Be Missing You," a tribute to the Notorious B.I.G., was the first rap song to debut at number one on the Billboard Top 100. It remained at the top of the chart for 11 consecutive weeks and topped several other charts worldwide.
2: And that one I struggled with a little bit because it was Faith Evans singing it and I immediately went back to hit him up when he was like, that's how I fucked your bitch, bitch you fat, fat motherfucker. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, I'll be
0: mad. I was like, you had sex with Tupac. Yeah. You did it. He painted your face too. Don't forget about that. <laughs> the album earned Combs five nominations at the 40th Grammy Awards in 1998 and would go on to win the Grammy for Best Rap Album. So we got a Grammy. Okay. On his debut album. Wow. Pretty that's, good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. that's got to boost that ego. For sure. <laughs> he was already there. Yes. Yeah. September 7th, 2000, the album was certified Septuple Platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America for sales of over 7 million copies. Yeah. Damn. There it is. Damn. I mean, think about it. Average CD, let's just say it was like 15 bucks. Yeah. 20. Seven times 20. 15, that's 105. Yeah. If you get a yeah, and it, also he got a huge piece of that because he produced it. He did all that shit.
3: Oh, where yeah. If you
2: hear the stories with TLC with the uh, the crazy, sexy, cool, and it, I think it sold twenty million albums. Wow, maybe more. And they ended up making like nothing because because yeah, they, they didn't rip- write
1: any of the music, they didn't produce any of it, they didn't write any any of the lyrics. Yeah, you know. But on the flip side, that's where no. we've talked about it in the past. <laughs> Billy Corgan got paid way more than the rest of the members in Smashing Pumpkins yeah. because he wrote the lyrics and also yeah. got paid for, the you know, like, producing the music. That's right. Wow,
2: though, for P. Diddy, he, he got fucking paid on that shit. Oh, yeah.
0: no doubt. And Puffy was everywhere at this point, and his face was all over TV and music videos. No better time than to start some other business ventures. He was already a wealthy man, but the opportunities outside of music would have driven him to billionaire status, according to Forbes magazine. So he's a billionaire now? Yep. That makes sense. Yep. I guess one of the most well-known ventures is his clothing line that bears his name, Sean John. The beginnings of Sean John started around 1997 after he just first topped the charts. He didn't have the green light to run a side hustle out of the bad boy offices, so his longtime homeboy, Jeffrey Tweedy, posted up in a cubicle in the offices of Diddy's Recording Company. Per Diddy's marching orders, Tweedy told everyone he was there working on tour product. He would start early at the offices, 8.30 or so, because he explains... A record company doesn't start until about 1 o'clock. Diddy would bring musicians in like Jay-Z, Busta Rhymes, and Mace, and hours after Tweety had gone home for the day, they'd sneak in to look around at the tour product. And they didn't leave empty-handed. An order of 30 hats would disappear overnight. Tweety would complain that his work became party favors for Diddy's friends. He said, what's wrong? Tweety recalls saying, I leave, everything's gone. I have out like 30 hats and there's 8 left. Diddy would say, well... Whatever was left, make sure we don't buy that because no one wanted it. That means that color was wrong and no one wanted to pick it up. God damn. So wow. even then, he understood marketing and the design of the product.
2: Well, and also, you're like, hey, this is promo shit. If Buster Rhymes is wearing the shit, it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like
2: yeah, I, mean, I mean,
1: exactly. One be picture different. with the paparazzi. Yeah,
2: it's not like you're letting some homeless dude off the street and be like, pick out whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like, these are all celebrities are gonna wear. That's why they. That's why most clothing companies actually spend a ton of money just sending clothes to celebrities. Like, please wear. Oh this. yeah, wear it. None of the
1: homeless people picked the blue hat, all
2: right? Like, get rid of it. Listen, man, the thing is, these
0: homeless guys, they're really big into the Sean John diapers. And they're big (laughs) social media influencers, so, you know, they got a lot of pull out on the streets. If you can get that Sean John diaper right, I think we got an option here. Tweety found a locker to hide his samples, but those early moments crystallized who he was designing for, the massive celebrities Diddy rolled with, and the fans who aspired to be like them. There were a lot of late nights, Diddy says, but we all knew how important it was to get it right. And with friends like Tommy Hilfiger and Anna Wintour, he was well on his way. Since its launch, Sean John has enjoyed critical and commercial success, with revenues about $525 million annually. In October 2008, the company purchased streetwear lifestyle brand Inichi from Liz Claiborne for twenty million dollars.
2: We picked that one up really good because Anichi was super hot about
0: eight years late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, and I didn't know where that came from because I remember Anichi was kind of streetwear. Like, when we were 99. in high school, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: he said, let's buy this one now. I got this one now. It's called Jordash. You're gonna love <laughs> yeah. this shit. We're gonna pick up
0: pumps. We yeah, got, yeah we got some new shoe ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. In May 2010, Sean John made a distribution agreement with Macy's Department Store, in which Macy's and Macy's.com would be the sole distributor of Sean John sportswear at the retail and online level. As part of the agreement, Sean John and Macy's expanded the Sean John brand's distribution to many more Macy's stores and entered into an exclusive marketing partnership with the NBA. Everyone is familiar with the brand. Obviously, there are clothes that people wanted to wear. But it doesn't hurt to have a celebrity base to get everything kind of started. You know what I mean? Like we talked about. Well, absolutely.
2: And a lot of the people that are listening are probably way younger than us. But there was a weird time in the very late 90s when every brand had a sports edition. And yeah, it was like yeah. polo sport, figure sport. And I don't know what made that happen or whatever. But for some reason, like Sean John sport was also a thing. And uh, it's, it was sort of an oddball thing. But I remember reading around that time that Sean John's biggest... Winner was actually his suits. Like, his
1: suits were, like, pretty well-respected.
2: Like, they wow, made good suits.
1: In my head, whenever I think of Sean John, I think of almost, like, acid wash jeans yeah. and stuff like that, or All stone right. wash So So, funny jeans. enough,
0: he's won multiple designer awards of the year for a lot of their more... It's the suits. It's yeah. the more finer design wow. stuff. Well, yeah, he's won multiple. He's pretty decorated designer for their stuff. And that's wow. the thing, too, because
2: yeah. it would, like... Whereas what you're remembering is because it had the huge logos all over it. Yeah. Well yes. you can't wear a suit that has Sean John. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like you know, fucking embroidered on the back of it, because yeah. that's not how a suit works. That's right. He just did well-tailored suits. With all the fame and fortune, there were still times where Diddy would go back to Sean from the streets of Harlem and that would come out in some of his annex. With all the fame and fortune, there were still times where Diddy would go back to Sean from the streets of Harlem and that would come out in some of his annex. April 15th, 1999, launch party for Puffy's magazine Notorious was held at New York's Limelight and was teeming with A-list celebrities. Among them were Sting, Jerry Seinfeld, Elton... <laughs> no, I'm just like, I can't imagine uh, a fucking rat party with Seinfeld, with St- oh, Sting, oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, check stinging. this list out. Uh, Sting, Jerry Seinfeld, Elton John, Uma Thurman, and Donatella Versace. You talk about one odd-looking human. I'm yeah. not going to call her ugly, oh, but yeah, she is she a weird-looking She person. looks like the Muppet from the band. Yes. 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 The one that plays yes. with the animal, yes. and it's so real. It's like... <laughs> but how many of the guests would have choked on their caviar if they had known that just hours before their gentlemanly host had allegedly used a champagne bottle, a phone, a chair, and the assistance of two of his homies to savagely pummel a record executive. What? Like a Suge Knight style? The following day, details emerged about the attack on Interscope Records executive and Nas manager Steve Stout, 28 years old. After turning himself into Manhattan's Midtown North Precinct, Combs was charged with second-degree assault and criminal mischief. According to reports, the attack at Stout's Midtown office was motivated by Nas's video, Hate Me Now, which featured scenes of Combs and Nas tied to crosses. I remember this. Combs reportedly worried that the images were blasphemous and asked out to either cut the scenes or stop the video from airing. No, So he filmed the scenes originally, but then was like, I don't feel good about this. And cut it, please.
2: He woke up and was like, wait a second, that wasn't a good idea. This isn't a good idea, okay.
0: But Hate Me Now debuted on MTV unedited April 15th, and Combs allegedly went ballistic. The network since pulled the video, saying it's awaiting a new arrival of a new version that meets the approval of both Bad Boy and Nas's label, Columbia. MTV refuses to say who asked to yank the clip. An employee who worked on the same floor as Stout said the office was a complete wreck after the attack. Desk overturned, everything taken off the walls. Although an extent of his injuries were unclear, a spokesperson for the Manhattan DA said Stout suffered abrasions and contusions and possibly a fractured arm. Come sends for this a one day anger management class.
2: So, that they, it always sounds so much worse when you say abrasions and contusions. You're like scratches and bruises.
0: Yeah, scratches and bruises. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
2: I do want to point out here that I remember that video and I remember that song. You can hate me now, mm-hmm. but I won't stop now. So, I I'm, I'm was trying to think. I was like, who was like, all right, I got this vision in my head. They're both Jesus, and uh, (laughs) I mean it was a five-year-old Kanye West. Yeah, can you imagine that? Like, yeah, like imagine like that song being the soundtrack to Jesus being crucified. He's like, you can hate me now, (laughs) but it's just it's strange. Also, to get so upset about it, but I still think that uh, P. Diddy maybe you know giving this guy scratches and bruises. As bad as that is, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe breaking an arm isn't as bad as uh, as as Suge Knight making that guy
1: drink his piss yeah. <laughs> out of his champagne glass. Yeah, that's right. Or hanging that. vanilla ice upside off down the off the balcony. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but so all right, so but we're saying that P Diddy
0: laid hands on him? Like oh oh no doubt yeah absolutely went in fucked him up and it said uh, hit him with a champagne bottle. Um, that shit will kill somebody Yeah a champagne bottle A phone A chair And the assistance Of two of his homies Okay so But yeah he was in on it It wasn't oh, yeah. something that he They like, went in and fucked him up Okay yeah. So
2: let me ask you this How much would it cost you To let P. Diddy Hit you with a champagne bottle 42
0: Ooh. grand <laughs> that's about right right like, <laughs> i think i'd pay I, i'd uh, probably take it and you uh, you you have a different yes you're set i got a big head and neck area so i'd probably take it, the champagne bottle. It, i'd get stitches yeah oh yes I'd so champagne stitches. bottles are thick as fuck it would have to be kind of like on the crown of my head yeah it was a Moet bottle too i remember this oh man uh, yeah and so what is that
2: like 42 dollars to p diddy well yeah, I mean, yeah, roughly, maybe, right?
0: Yeah. I think I, I think you'd have to give me he has to give me a solid mill to let P. Diddy hit but me. But I, I would almost do it like jackass style, where like I did it and got paid. Not oh. like I had to go through legal. Oh no, 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 that's this. what I'm saying. No, 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 no. That's, yeah, yeah that's we're just up. saying. But yeah, like I'm yeah, thinking like four. Like, oh,
2: here here's a check and like what will you put on here? I'd say I a million you can hit me with a MOAT bottle. Yeah, it's um, like Oh, are you serious? Yeah, because you could you what? could CTE is no joke. Head trauma is for Whatever, real. Dude. Randy's rolling his fucking eyes like he's like, "Fuck Whatever, that shit." Dude, bang me up. I'm good.
0: Forty two G's. That's a that's a pretty big payday. Dude, that's for what like, I'm saying. To get hit in the bottle seconds. with a champagne. Yeah, I'm gonna get my head busted and I'm gonna have a concussion. I might miss a day of work. I got lots of PTO saved up. I just take <laughs> take some fucking take a couple days in advance if I know I'm having P Diddy hit me with a champagne bottle. I'll have a little bit of like pre-warning, so I'll be able to take my time off in advance, like I should. Set up as vacation days, and just get banged, get stitched up, and fucking go on some badass ski trips off. or something. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I just always think about the inflation's guy. banging right now, bro. It's, <laughs> it's tough. I just streets,
2: man. <laughs> also, but, you guys should hit us up, let us know what you would get paid for by P Diddy yeah. for taking a Moet bottle. What to would the it head. take
0: for you to get crashed by P Diddy for a bottle of Moet? <laughs> I'm forty two grand deep. Buddy, yeah buddy what is your oh it's true oh um oh man to get hit in the head by mikey's at a million it's true i'm Should... at 42 hey, grand he's got deep pockets why would not i ask for the max i mean but let's just keep it real he's not gonna do it for a million maybe i can negotiate maybe he has like 42 grand in the suburban and he's like <laughs> all right i'll do it whatever
1: see i'm going by the mathematics of the 42 grand is like 42 dollars to him so I'm going at half a mil, so off, 500 whatever. bucks. Yeah. Like That would be like 500 so bucks stupid. to him.
0: You're so stupid. You're taking the <laughs> fun out of the game. It has to be realistic, guys. That is realistic.
1: No. I'm not taking a Moet bottle to the head. Bro, we don't have so, your build. No. We can't
0: take a Moet bottle to the head like you can. Look, my, my look neck, they would hit you guys, neck. and we would be legitimately concerned for a couple minutes, <laughs> and we would realize, all right, let's just take him to the hospital. He'll get stitched up. He's kind of funny for a few days. You'll be fine. Dr. Randy here with a deep understanding of CTE from a, a Moet bottle of the head. Look, I'm inviting someone to pay me $42,000 so I can get out of debt, go on vacation. Then when Randy's
1: sixties, like, I don't understand. I get headaches yeah. all the time. For some
0: reason, I'm just violent all the time. And I just, 60? You guys are lucky if I make it that
2: long. <laughs> that, yeah, well, I mean, that is. Uh, this has been a, an interesting <laughs>
3: conversation.
2: All right, let's get back right, on track. I, I
0: digressed really, really hard. Diddy didn't seem to learn much from the trouble he got into in April of 99, and what happened in December of that year is probably the most famous incident he's been involved in. That led to not only people getting hurt, but also him losing perhaps one of the most hottest women on the planet as his companion. On December 27, 1999, Diddy, his then-girlfriend Jennifer Lopez, and bad boy protege and -and up-and-comer Shine were attending Club New York in Midtown Manhattan. That night, a fight broke out in the VIP section after money was allegedly thrown at Diddy by another patron. Shine, 21 years old at the time, pulled out a gun and began firing into the crowd, injuring three people. Are oh, I'm you sorry. kidding
2: me? Oh, hold on, though. You said that he got upset by someone throwing money at him? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to check that. Got it. Go yeah, ahead. That's like yeah. a rich man disrespect. Diddy
0: got mad. They, so I've read there's like been a verbal altercation. There was this, that, and the other. But I found a pretty detailed one. I think it was through... Um, double xl magazine yes yeah which is actually very good. i mean think about who the <laughs> sources are yeah i mean t- well double yeah, xl yeah, for rap music is, is, is
1: yeah. good i know but like, the way it sounds it doesn't sound very legitimate but yeah no exactly. think about
0: exactly what you're trying to get legitimacy from what happened at a club yeah, and yeah yeah double yeah, xl that's, that's where i got that detail everything else said there was a verbal altercation mm-hmm. I found the details of oh a dude threw money at Diddy and that's what kind of set it off. God, like I wish bitch someone slapped just throw, them with some money. Some I wish m- someone
1: would throw money at me, dude. You can bitch slap me with
0: money all day long as long as I get to keep it. Speaking of that, visit us at patreoncom podcast. Hit <laughs> yeah, us with money uh, like join the Diddy. Join the fart circle, ten dollars a month. Oh my God, you'll get so many benefits. It's unbelievable. Um, so yes, yeah, and we won't we won't fight you. We won't have no, our, our homeboys all. shoot your nose at all, off. We're like actually send you stuff. We'll send yeah. you stuff. Yeah. yeah. And not bullets. Anyway, Puffy and J-Lo fled the club and were lady arrested with a concealed weapon in their vehicle. You guys remember the story? Absolutely. They were leaving it. the club and they got pulled over. Yes. And there was a, a gun in the car. I
2: mentioned it when we first started talking. I'm a massive Shine fan. Yeah. That first album was very good. Oh! And,
0: yeah. And then he went to prison. <laughs> he sounded... That's exactly right. Whoa. If you guys, He was the successor... To Biggie's sound. Man, he sounded like that's Biggie. That's exactly right. He sounded just like Biggie. If you guys are thinking, who the hell Shine? Go back and just Google Shine, Shine. Hit. Yeah, and Shine was, it was it was Bad Boys was the name of the song. Yep, it was a one-hit wonder. And that guy, he was an up-and-comer. He, yeah. was, he was big, man. man he, was he was good. And he shot that lady's big. face yeah. off for P. Diddy, and P. Diddy chucked him right under the bus. As a result of the shooting incident, Shine faced charges of attempted murder, assault, reckless endangerment, and weapons possession. Diddy, who prosecutors initially tried to say fired a weapon as well, faced weapons charges stemming from the firearm found in the vehicle after the shooting. The cases went to trial separately in 2001, and in what people deemed as a fucked up move, Diddy did not put his high power lawyers on Shine's case. Diddy ended up being acquitted of all charges, but he did lose his relationship with j as she dumped him when she got caught up in all of his mess as well. She didn't want to be a part of all that. No. I'll
2: it's, be honest. We should do a show on her because I've never heard anything good about her as a person.
0: Yeah. No, I've always Jenny heard she's a block? monster bitch. Really? Yes. Yeah. Jenny from
2: the block. That's right. They were like, yeah, dude, like the, her, the stuff that she demands backstage, like she's the type her, of her sele- green room. bullshit. Yeah. And the like the select, like she's the one of the ones is like, don't look me in the face.
0: You I've know heard what, that before from like airline people yeah, and stuff oh, like that. That's so ridiculous. Yep. You know, I, I can agree. If if we ever went on tour and did live podcasts, and we've talked about it, sure. Our green room requests I could see being very simple. We need fans. Uh, gummy bears. A lot of gummy, bears. <laughs> a lot of gummy bears. <laughs> good ones, Albanese. Please. Albanese. Yeah, we're all fans yes. of gummies. Yes. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, we we all love the gummy products. Oh man, yeah.
1: don't even tell me they've got like Albanese like weed gummies and legal oh, states. That'd be or cool, or something like that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. but
2: uh, yeah, but gummies, some beers, and um, yeah, some fans good, like rye whiskey. Not, not even good. Fans. Yeah, not even good rye whiskey. Just rye whiskey
0: yeah. for for Randy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just
2: give me beers and also maybe like a good uh, nice Italian. Sandwich setup and uh I, I do like a good charcuterie board. That is true.
0: Uh, I love I love the cheese. The, the olives and, and, the, and the farty cheese. Fuck all that. I mean, you know what? Yes. Give me some sandwiches. Give me the little Sandwiches, sandwiches. I'm with yeah, that. Yeah. But I don't need yeah. a, I can a fancy lunchable. Anyway, going back, Shine was found guilty of two counts of assault, reckless endangerment, and gun possession. He was sentenced. To 10 years in prison now was he on bad boy at yes. the time yeah he was their protege he was the up and that cover. was the big hit with bad boy he sounded just like biggie and if, yeah. like i said if you go back and, and google bad yep. boy yep. by shine you'll think oh my god is that No, yeah no it's he, shine. he could not rap nearly as well as biggie but they sounded
2: identical and uh he i mean like i said that that song was a straight banger yeah oh no doubt yeah it, i've
0: actually been i've Probably listened to it about seven times in the past day since I
2: knew we were doing this
0: show. So check this out. Interesting to see how Shine turns out, and I won't, that is true. I won't, I won't give it up right now. I know now. this one, but I will leave that alone. A lawsuit filed by a victim of the shooting, the lady got shot in the face. said uh, She suffered emotional damage after the shooting, and it was settled in February of 2004. Lawyers for both sides, having agreed to keep the settlement term secret, said the matter had been resolved to the satisfaction of all parties. Shine was released from prison in 2009 and deported to his country of birth, Belize. That's right. But he there maintained a relationship with Diddy, who lent him public support after government officials in Belize attempted to amend a law in order to keep ex-cons from running for office after he was elected the leader of the opposition in the House of Representatives in 2020. So, Shine got out of jail, went back to Belize, and got elected as um, essentially a government leader.
2: Also, do you know that he went hardcore Jewish?
1: really
0: yes oh wow down
1: there in belize where it's like hardcore catholic interesting
2: i'm telling you the the shine story is the strangest thing ever i remember like they said i remember 2000 that album i remember pulling up into Buddy's. so shine is jewish he's converted or at least at the point when he got out of prison he converted and i like i said i just remember being like when that album came out i was like oh i love this shit Then he shot that lady in the face And yeah. then it was all over And then all of a sudden It was like Whatever happened to that guy Yeah And there yeah, was like, a politician In and, and yeah. Belize And yeah. also it was like Jewish
1: for a second It's very strange what were you going to say? I remember pulling up into Buddies.
2: Oh, I just remember pull up in t- into your house like b- like blaring that album.
0: Oh!
1: Yeah.
2: So, you
0: know. yeah.
2: Tell me who wore the fuck with us. See.
0: See. And he also
2: dropped some weird shit. He talks about
0: Andrew Cunanan. Yeah, Andrew
2: Cunanan. <laughs> the, <laughs> the guy who killed of Gianni, Gianni Versace. Versace, yeah.
0: And funny enough when we went to Miami as a family, we went to the Versace mansion and yeah. had dinner and the the Versace um that they did on netflix was really good oh, yeah the hc yeah uh, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're there right there on the steps That's you're true. like this is
2: i know I and i was like damn dude so this the, the one of the hardest rap songs of all time starts talking about andrew
1: cunanan the guy that <laughs> killed Gianni versace <laughs> yeah. in a gay love tryst <laughs> that was a really good thing on Eight uh, american horror story or, yeah, or whatever yeah, it was
0: yeah. yeah so anyway shine said that diddy lost it when he heard that shine was getting the pushback from the government. He got revolt people involved. He got the publicists. He got his legislative friends. He got everybody. We can't let this happen. Puff said to me, "He totally redeemed himself in my eyes." So Puffy went and stood up for him and got him. He felt bad after. Oh, you think? You know? Oh, he sold the guy out. Like, and there's been. And I thought about adding a whole another layer yeah. to this story because there's been a number of different stories to come out about this, that, and a couple of other things. But basically, at the end of the day, it sounds like. Diddy didn't put any
1: money into it because he was afraid that if he came off scot-free that that would make him look guilty instead. So he was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm putting all the money into me and,
0: you know, you do what you do you. You do you. So uh, Combs changed his stage name yet again from Puff Daddy to P. Diddy in 2001 and continued to toy with his artist lineup. Has he ever given any reason why he keeps on changing his name? He did a little bit in the next one, but no other no, than that I'll tell you really. exactly why it it creates a news story it does it, uh, he puts him back in the news nah. so yeah he went from Puff Daddy to P Diddy in 01 and uh, he started working with some artists that you normally wouldn't tie in with the same management as Biggie Smalls for a short period of time he was the manager of a chick that brought all the boys to the yard with her milkshake and now dates a senior citizen Khalees yeah it was Nas's wife for a minute Nas married Khalees yeah they had, really. They had, they had a really nasty that. divorce yeah. Oh, wow. He was an opening act for NSYNC on their spring 2002 celebrity tour, and he signed California-based pop girl group Dream to a record label. Dream, I don't know who that is. Never heard of Dream. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Combs was a producer on the soundtrack album for the film Training Day, and I'm sure we've all heard of that one. Oh, it's man, that's a great movie. Yeah.
2: Very good movie.
0: That was Damn. one of the few movies that made
1: me hate Denzel's character. Oh, he nailed it! Uh, yeah, exactly. Like
0: P C P.
2: Also, if you ever want to see someone gag uh, Snoop Dogg till he pukes up
0: crack, then that's the best. Your that's your best option. Yeah, that's your best. <laughs> that's right. Did he also jumped in the TV world? It was the executive producer of the reality TV show Making the Band, which appeared on MTV from two thousand two to two thousand nine. The show involves interviewing candidates and creating musical acts that would then enter the music business. Acts who got their start this way. And I've still never heard of, yep. include the da Band, Danity <laughs> Kane, Day 26, and Donnie Clang. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of, is it Danity Kane? Whatever. No. Again, I read these and I was like, ah, pfft, yeah. never heard of these. The people. only reason why that
2: show makes any sense in, in terms of like cultural references now is because of Chappelle's shit when he did Making the Band. Where he's, there's yeah. five albums, five greatest rappers, Dylon, 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 and Dylon. <laughs> 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 that 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 show made me hate him so much more too. He's such a cocksucker, and that's what was so great. Like when he was making fun of him, I remember he was just like, "Yeah, so what's gonna happen now, yes. y'all? We're gonna put you guys out there on the street, and you're gonna have to go ahead and sell these cheese sandwiches." <laughs> and then we're gonna <laughs> <laughs>
0: some dude like carrying him around on his shoulders. Such a yes, there you go. That's what it is. That's why I love Chappelle. In 2003, Combs ran in the New York City Marathon, as we talked about earlier. Raising two million dollars for the educational system of New York City, finishing in a respectable four hours and eighteen minutes. It's actually very so. Mikey has a runner four hours eighteen minutes. That's very respectable. Yeah, I figured that was a pretty good time. Yeah, yeah he was punished by Ashton. I, I did the 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 minute breakdown and the mile breakdown. Yeah, I was now like, that's very respectable. Right. Yeah, that's what not is, not is
1: it? Well, how many? What is it?
0: Thirteen miles. Twenty. It's twenty-six point two miles. Twenty-six point two. Yeah. Jesus yeah yeah it's, it's a long a way to run it's a banger, man. Yeah. yeah i, I like well, the whole reason the guy got its name was like i died doing it so yeah, yeah, there's yeah, that you yeah, yeah. run for marathon when i was like really getting
2: into running it i knew i was going to top out at a half marathon because by the time you're training for marathons it literally takes up just so much of your time yeah you get so out just, of
0: work and run until you go to bed yeah pretty much yeah. like forest style yeah you
2: have to and then you're just like i don't have time for that shit it's like one thing i could do if i wanted to i guess But, like, really, I got too much
0: shit to do for me to go home and run for four hours. Yeah. There was also a bit of a hiccup for the Sean John clothing line in 2003, where the National Labor Committee revealed that factories producing the clothing in Honduras were violating Honduran labor laws. What a shocker. Among the accusations were that workers were subjected to body searches and involuntary pregnancy tests. What the fuck? Yeah. Just to go to work? Bathrooms were locked and access tightly controlled employees were forced to work overtime and were paid sweatshop wages. Charles yeah. Kernigan of the National Labor Committee told the New York Times that Sean Puff Daddy Combs obviously has a lot of clout and he can do a lot overnight to help these workers. Combs responded with an extensive investigation telling reporters, I'm as pro-worker as they get. Fuck off. On February 14, 2004, Kernigan announced that improvements had been implemented at the factory, including air conditioning and water purification systems, firing the most abusive supervisors and allowing the formation of labor unions. And
2: now if that story had never made daylight, none of that should have happened. Yeah, he just
1: got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And he's not the, the only the one.
2: All those fucking like I said, man, the cheap fast fashion shit that happens with all these companies, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what You don't go to a country like that and hire all these people or whatever without knowing that they're, you know. Now, the forced Pregnancy test, like what the That's fuck? That's up, weird. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, how
1: do you? What do you? Okay. I just like you just walk in. They're just like, just like hey, pee hey, on this.
0: Hey, hey, pee on this stick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: but so then the question comes: Is that like Sean or Diddy no, <laughs> making no, these choices? No, or are not, these like, not, not? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Not, he's
2: not no. the one making choices, but he's no. he knows to an extent what's happening and he actually it's probably it's how
0: they t- operate down there yep. and he chose to operate down there because of the cost. Yes, yeah, and he exactly knew the right. repercussions, right? Yeah, yep. sure. That's fair. Yeah. In late 2006, the department store Macy's removed Sean John jackets from the shelves when they discovered that the clothing was made using raccoon dog fur. What? There's raccoon dogs? Yes. Combs had not known the jackets were not being made with genuine fur. But as soon as he was alerted, he did stop production. But isn't it, it? It is genuine fur. It's just a raccoon dog. Raccoon dog fur. What is raccoon dog? I would assume just raccoons. <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> I mean, I don't know enough, but I, I assume raccoon dog fur. Wait, maybe, maybe no, a no, hybrid no. of the two. I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm with you. I'm just like they're like. Wait a second.
0: Now this is real fur, but it's
2: fur from something that we're not really totally about. This is pig cow meat I was about to say (laughs) yeah pig cow man yeah Yeah. I had no idea this was raccoon dog fur man I thought for sure this was Bullwinkle and not Rocky yeah
0: Yeah. stop production y'all yeah shit yeah I didn't mean for that to happen y'all I'm so sorry I'm sorry
1: with my glasses on in here I couldn't see it was raccoon and dog fur
2: I was drinking I was drinking too much (laughs) I'm gonna be honest I think this is uh, along the lines of foolish gang (laughs)
0: Yeah, I would probably agree with y'all.
2: Don't want to wait another week for the next episode of Asshole Court to come out? Go check out our new and improved Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. You'll get highlights from past shows, and you can join in on the conversation of past asshole court drama. Check us out at AHC Podcast or leave us a review on whatever platform you listen on. Now, back to the action.
0: In 2004, Combs headed one of Mikey's favorite campaigns, Voter Die. Voter Die. <laughs> for the 2004 presidential election. PDD said at the time that its mission was to make voting hot and sexy. <laughs> the 2004 cool, cool, cool. campaign included a line of Voter Die t shirts, an album of voter registration pushed in cities and campuses nationwide and commercials on outlets such as MTV and BET. Yeah, yeah. Vote or die. Solid campaign. That's man. right. And we revisit it here in a little bit, so okay. we'll wait. On August 16, 2005, Combs announced on Today that he was altering his stage name yet again. He would now be calling himself Diddy. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, take that pee off. That's
1: right. <laughs> awesome. Combs
0: man. said fans didn't know how to address him, which led to confusion. <laughs> and in November of 2005, a London-based musical artist and DJ, Richard Dearlove, who had been performing under the name Diddy since 1992... Oh, poor son of a bitch. Nine years before Combs started even using P. Diddy, sought an injunction in the High Court of Justice in London. He accepted an out-of-court settlement at 10,000 pounds in damages and more than 100,000 pounds in costs. Okay. Combs can no longer use the name Diddy in the UK, where he's still known as P. Diddy. Okay. There's a a guy that I know from
1: back in like the 90s or so but he branded the uh Mayhem that was his uh, oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. whole tag. And so when Allstate started to or what was it a Progressive yeah, or whatever said, the Mr. Mayhem yeah. thing they couldn't do it. They they approached him and tried to buy it and he was like, "No, nah, I'm keeping it." Huh. And so like they couldn't use that, you know, hashtag #Mayhem as their Interesting. platform
0: because he had it. I probably sold it
2: that's well, yeah. I would have sold it for a lot more, but we can settle out right now. I guess or
0: whatever. If ten thousand bucks, cool. Here yeah. you got it, whatever.
1: He he was actually one of the few that was making probably $50, fifty, sixty a year. Okay, yeah. all right. I if wouldn't it do was, it for yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: but mm-hmm. I, I would. Yeah, I would be like, you know, I don't know. I'll figure
0: he was it doing out. stuff for Cartoon Network and yeah. Um, okay. like. Yeah. Well, over the next ten years or so, did he continue to make music and get into acting? One thing he's always had a passion for. However Is making babies Okay We all know he had his relationship with J-Lo Back in the late 90s But heading into the research of the show I was unaware That Diddy has seven kids Seven Not quite Nick Cannon status But it seems as though Diddy's daddy batter Is as potent as his clone line (laughs) I am king Exclusively at Macy's That's the name of his clones I am king I am king Yep. someone oh, needs wow. to stop and actually name. it was kind of based off of muhammad ali mlk yada yada oh yeah because diddy's just like those guys and well, yeah. well that's what they wanted to smell like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly They wanted to smell like yeah. diddy's cologne i
2: want to smell like joe frazier's blood <laughs> yeah that makes me hate him so much more everything you've told me up at this point uh, i am king cologne has just really been the top notch for me he wanted
0: a big award for his perfume actually hey hey, yeah. hey he's probably he bought anyway. that shit <laughs> His first biological child, Justin, was born in 1993 to designer Misa Hylton-Brim. Hylton. Hylton. Yeah, Hylton-Brim. Hyphenated last name. Probably a bitch. Hard to pronounce. That's right. We remember. Anyway, I'm so sorry, Misa. You're probably a sweet woman. I doubt it. His son, Justin, attended UCLA on a football scholarship, and we'll hear more about his time there in just a minute. I'm familiar. Combs had an on-again, off-again relationship with Kimberly porter which lasted from 1994 to 2007.
2: I like that traditional name. He raised Kimberly
0: a, Porter, that's easier to say. Isn't it, though? He raised and adopted Quincy, who was born in 1991. Porter's son from her previous relationship was singer and producer Al B. Schur, with an exclamation point. Bro, Porter must have fucked like a goddamn
2: champ. You're raising her son? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really awful of me saying that, <laughs> and I understand that right now, but I'm being serious. I'm being I'm being dead serious. Hang
0: on. It's gonna make a little more sense okay, here got in a it. minute. Yeah. Together they had another son, Christian, and twin daughters, Dalila and Jesse James, born in two thousand six. Porter died of pneumonia in November of twenty eighteen. Oh so honestly Puffy's girl that he was with for God... 13 years plus, plus 13 yeah. years and had uh three kids with there was just one a, more child one, one yeah. adopted and three, three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mikey uh,
2: mikey died mikey would officially like to withdraw his statement earlier there yeah. you go thanks mikey. Mikey. oh come
0: on i didn't fucking know that <laughs> shit. <But> hang on <laughs> hang on but hang on mikey you may not want to withdraw it quite so soon okay did he kill her five months before the birth of his twins combs mm-hmm. daughter chance was born to sarah chapman So yeah, he was a bit of a walking Maury show for a while there. He had two ladies pregnant at the same time—one girl with his daughter, and then another girl with twins.
2: Bro, that's the thing I was talking about. I'm like, if I the the day that I make it as a celebrity or a rich person, getting a vasectomy, a (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent.
0: Yep. And I would love it on peace. Also, the,
2: the beauty of it is what I would like to do is I would do a reality show in which nobody knows that I've done this. And then all the women that try to say that I impregnated them, I pull a Mori out. They're like, he can't be the father. You are yeah. not the and father. And they're like, oh. Yeah. Turns
1: yeah. out Sean Puff Daddy Combs is the father. That's right. Yeah. I was like, I can't even. Yeah, Either yeah.
0: him or Nick Cannon. Odds are. Uh, I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. Nick Cannon. Yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah. But yes, I would. There's no way I would. You're, you No. No kids. No. His seventh child was born on October 15, 2022, just last year. A daughter named Love, Sean Combs.
2: Oh, my God. I oh. fucking hate this guy so much.
0: Her first name is Love. Her, her middle name is Sean. Sean. Her last name is Combs. I am king. Love, Sean Combs. Die in a fire. Yep. And the mother was a lady named Dana Tran.
2: Okay, man. well, I mean, I mean, like,
1: I mean, it's not as bad as what we've been seeing, like Al Pacino
0: and Robert De Niro having. You know kids what? I just hope like she 80. doesn't break up with him and marry Tom Vestite, because <laughs> <laughs> then she would be uh, Dana Tran Vestite. Uh, anyway, I, mean, I knew that I was, I was, I was
2: formulating one in myself. But you I, ahead saw of yeah. <laughs> I saw your eyes. I saw your eyes
0: twinkle as soon as I said it. I knew you were picking up what I was putting I know, down. Yeah. I love it. Please don't cut it, buddy.
3: so Diddy stayed out
0: of trouble for the most part in the mid 2000's but did run into some trouble as he started his get off my lawn phase of his life and his kids started entering college Puffy was arrested on Monday June 22, 2015 on UCLA's campus for assault with a deadly weapon following an alleged altercation with Bruins assistant coach Sal Alosi the dispute allegedly occurred after Alosi was hard on Diddy's son Justin Combs during Bruins practice TMZ reported the initial arrest, indicating a chewed out defensive back Justin Combs, Diddy's son, during strength and conditioning drills where Diddy bore witness. TMZ added the coach was, riding Combs hard, screaming, I don't care if your dad's here, this is UCLA, I'm going to treat you just like everybody else. After the practice session ended, Diddy allegedly went to the coach's office in the school's athletic facility and grabbed him according to a release of the university's official website. The weapon Diddy used was a kettlebell in the assault. Natalie Moore, a rep for Combs Enterprises, said in a statement at the time, the various accounts of the event and charges that are being reported are wholly inaccurate. We can now say that any actions taken by Mr. Combs were solely defensive in nature to protect him and his son. We are confident that once the true facts are resolved, the case will be dismissed. All right, so I can't wait to hear. I'm going to tell you guys what really happened here. But let me pause here
2: because while you were reading that, I was really enjoying watching Buddy Calculate what that would look like in his mind <laughs> He was he said Kettlebell he was like wait a second I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the I the was like First like
1: a two and a half pound no, one, A think five about, pound think one, about like A ten b- pound a big one. weight
0: at the bottom with the handle on it No I know what yeah. a kettlebell is uh, I'm
1: picturing more which weight yeah. I'm like is he coming at him with a 2.5 Yeah, A five Or a Moet bottle pounds?
2: for $42,000 right. Yeah.
0: If it's a Moet bottle then I'm guessing That it's more like a two and a half pound kettlebell That's right other witness accounts reported on June 23rd that Diddy and Combs walked into Alosi's office around noon and Diddy began accosting the coach. Alosi instructed interns to alert security and Diddy came around the desk saying he would contact security from the coach's phone. Pretty much, he was like, I'll call the motherfuckers myself from your phone. That's kind of how I imagine that playing I out. I think you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. told Combs to get his father out of the office, looking at the player, probably saying, look, get your dad the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. But Diddy allegedly walked into the coach's hand Telling Elosi Don't put your hands on me Ugh. So while he's, oh, pointing, bitch Get your, move. while he's pointing Get your dad out of here Diddy walked into his hand And was like don't put your hands on me Assault Assault That was when allegedly Diddy started attacking Elosi As noted in the report The staff eventually removed him from Elosi's office Into the weight room And that's when Diddy picked up the kettlebell And swung it at an intern According to Scout.com Oh
2: the poor intern? Jeez. Yeah Yeah
1: Oh, man. Pelosi had
0: scratches on his face and stated in the report that his shirt was ripped due to the altercation. Diddy was arrested on three counts of assault with a deadly weapon and one count of making terroristic threats and another count of battery. All charges wound up getting dropped. Of course. course. That
2: money pays, baby. That's
0: right. So Sean Combs was raised Catholic, but in 2008, he told the Daily Telegraph that he doesn't adhere to any specific religion denomination. He said, I just follow right from wrong so I could pray in a synagogue, a mosque, a church. I believe there's only one God. But on July 3rd, 2020, Combs invited Twitter followers to view a three-hour YouTube video posted by Louis Farrakhan. (coughs) In the video, Farrakhan made multiple comments and repeatedly used the phrase, Synagogue of Satan. That video obviously didn't go over well and was removed from YouTube for violating its policy (laughs) against hate speech. So said, I'm again, not religious, but again, I'm spiritual. here we go. Yeah, like, I don't understand the hate for the Jews, but it's, all right. He said, yo, hey, check this out, man.
2: I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And also, I fucking hate Jews. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned Nick Cannon earlier, and he and Diddy do actually have a tie. hate Jews. A, in an episode of Cannon's class posted on YouTube in 2020, Cannon alluded to several prominent anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, including the Rothschilds, centralized banking, and the bloodlines that control everything, even outside America. He also insisted that he could not be anti-Semitic and called for black people to reclaim the term Semitic. You can't be anti-Semitic when we are the Semitic people. That's our birthright. We are the true Hebrews. In an industry dominated by Jewish people, that too didn't go over well and the folks at CBS fired Cannon in July of 2020.
2: Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't think there's anything more interesting to me Then hearing Nick Cannon talk about the Federal Reserve and central banking,
0: that seems like that guy would know a lot about
2: that. Know a lot about (laughs) that. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But in response, Combs tweeted that Cannon should come to Revolt TV saying, we got your back and love you and what you've done for the culture.
2: Oh, wow. So
0: Revolt TV is a business that Diddy's invested in, but it's kind of like, I hate to say it, but it feels like, oh trump's version of truth is sure and revolt yeah. tv is diddy's version of well, that's, yeah you can have that.
2: your own brand but you're literally like hey dude that just literally trashed jewish people me and you right. are on our on the same side come on and hang out yeah. let's talk about the rothschilds and yeah. about central banking
0: i was surprised he even chimed in honestly <laughs> i i guess i i'm
2: surprised too i didn't know that but
0: most recently in 2022 combs announced during his bet lifetime achievement award that he would be donating a million dollars each to howard university and Jackson State University. This tracks pretty well as he joined the Forbes list of billionaires in 2022, hitting a personal best earnings in 2017 with $130 million earned that year. Damn. Not bad for a big tooth kid from Harlem. And that, boys, is Puff Daddy Sean Combs. Okay. Let's get some final scores going here.
2: Okay. Well, I'll start. Mike, you want to go first? I'll go first. All right. Everything that I assumed about him is correct. He is a an absolute uh cock holster. Between I Am King Cologne, the name of his final child. What was it? Love. Love, Love, Love Sean Combs. Combs. Sean Combs. Combs. I didn't see the anti-Semitism coming until, I didn't see that one. I did not expect that one. That one shocked me a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. I really did. It's well, yes, we've I don't seen know. that
0: push over the last couple of years. We have, and
2: there has been, like I said, like you have uh, people like Louis Farrakhan who are notorious anti-Semites. Um, I just didn't know that he was really into that. So I'm going to just keep it short and sweet because, um, I mean, we really got into a lot of shit tonight. I would uh, uh, still claim a million dollars for a Moet bottle from P.
0: Diddy. 42 grand. 500 K.
2: And I will say that P.
0: Diddy is at a
2: 5.95.
0: All right. 5.95.
2: I'm gritting my teeth as I say that because it just. It's all right. I just feel like I'd like to make him higher, but we just can't. It's all right. He isn't anything horrible except for just being a just a kind of a, douche, of a person. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: for Mikey. Buddy, what do you got? This episode just kind of reinforced what I thought about him from the beginning as well. I thought he was going to be very egotistical. And, um, yeah, this episode just reinforced it. I don't like the assault. uh, Multiple charges of assault. for sure. That he's had on him. Uh, You know, the guy originally with the video... Um, and then the assault with the coach's intern yeah. over there at UCLA. Oh, yeah. I
2: yeah. forgot about that shit. That's right.
1: You know, so, I mean, that kind of, you know, that definitely ticks him up just a little bit in my book. But at the end of the day, I'm having a hard time, you know, kind of putting him above the Mendoza line of Steven Segal at 6.0. I think that he's kind of like ranking in a little bit more on the Jose Canseco line. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm going to put him in at a 5.83. Alright. That's Five. the final asshole score. Right.
0: 5.83 for Buddy. Randy, bring us home. All right. So, you know, exactly like you guys said, I was kind of surprised. Definitely at the anti-Semitism stuff. I never really knew yeah. about that until I did the research on it. Like, we yeah. were like,
2: hey, he put a Louis Farrakhan video on I was like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah, no. <laughs> when I read that, too, I was like, whoa, what the fuck, dude? That yeah. immediate. He needs to go get a beanpot, motherfucker. Kind of red flag. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's kind of just kind of in that perpetual douche. But there wasn't a ton that I really like, you know. Hung on him being a giant asshole on, you know what I mean? Yeah, there wasn't a lot there. Yeah, um, for him being a being an yeah. asshole,
1: arrogant, egotistical. If it was douche court. He's a fucking ten,
0: right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no he'd, doubt. he'd be a high nine in douche court. Yep. So I am gonna tick him up just a tad, um, and I'm gonna put him probably at like a four point five. No, I'm sorry. Uh, my bad. A 5.47. Okay. I've sort of panicked there. Yeah. No, no 5.47. I was four. like, you rated me a five the other night, yeah, Randy. <laughs> you can't do that shit. No, probably a
1: 5.47 <laughs> is where I've got him. All right. With a 5.95 from Mikey, a 5.83 from Buddy, and a 5.47 from
0: Randy, Sean P. Diddy Combs' final asshole score is a 5.75. All right, 5.75. Now a three-way tie. We have three folks that have come in at a 5.75. Vince McMahon of WWE fame, John Schnatter of Papa John's fame. Oh, yeah. Papa John Schnatter, I should say. And now P. Diddy all come in at a 5.75.
2: And I want to bring this up right now because this is actually getting very interesting from a statistical standpoint. The law of large numbers means the larger, the more uh, data you have, the closer you get to accuracy. I want to point out right now that Vince McMahon, John Schnatter, and P. Diddy. They're all people that put themselves into their own advertising nonstop. You're right. Yeah, They're total true. dildos that are yeah. literally like the, they will not be anything but the face of everything
1: that they do. Yeah. I love it. Look how correlated we are. You know, and we do have to give one more head nod. Unfortunately, we've been... Bringing up a lot of Paul Rubens over the past year or so. Yeah, R.I.P. Pee-wee. Um, Pee-wee. Yeah, that's a, that was a tough one. That Hate to
2: see dumb. it. We didn't kill him, though, because he we hadn't talked about him in a long time. We not done his show yet. Yeah. That's right.
1: So.
0: Awesome. We hope you enjoy this episode of Asshole Court. Patreon members, get ready. All your uh, quarterly bonuses are getting ready to be paid out. You're going to have your shit probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, for all of those you missing out on all the, uh, the swag action, check us out. Patreon.com slash podcast. Join the fart circle. Join the Rough Riders. Get in on the action. You'll know what I'm talking about when you get over there. And
2: if you're uh, going to be in Denver in a couple, well, I guess the 21st to the 24th. Yes. Hit us up. Hit us up. It's actually about the time it airs. Uh, you yeah. know, so just hurry up and get your ass there. So we'll see you there. Or
1: That's at right. least let us know. We'll be in the area. You know, um, Hit us up on Instagram, on Patreon.
0: And uh, yeah, man, we'd love to link up. No. Drink a couple beers. No doubt. Be kind to of one another. We'll see you next time on Soul Court.